listeners, and welcome to the NK News podcast, recorded here in Seoul on Tuesday, May 28, 2019. And my special in-studio guest today is Dr. Yi Sang-shin of the Korea Institute for National Unification, or KINU. Welcome, Dr. Lee. Thank you. He is a research fellow of the Unification Policy Research Division at the KINU, and Dr. Lee's study areas include political behavior and elections, public opinion in South Korea, and political psychology. After receiving a PhD in political science at the University of Iowa in the USA in 2008, Dr. Lee worked for the Institute for Peace and Unification Studies at Seoul National University. He joined KINU in January 2016, so he's been there just over three years now, right? Yes, right. And uh, just last, or early this month, I should say, so in mid-May, KINU released its annual KINU Unification Survey. I understand that uh, each year, uh, KINU surveys approximately 1,000 people uh, from different age groups. Yes. And uh, both men and women. Yes. Okay. Now, this year, uh, we've got a, a number of results to go through, but this year, what was the thing that most surprised you out of the results this year? The survey uh, was conducted in uh, April which mm-hmm. was after the Hanoi summit. And I was surprised to find f- find that the South Koreans' uh, belief or uh, their perception of Kim Jong-un's image actually got positive hmm. compared to the last year. Right. So last year's summit was, uh, sorry, last year's survey was also done in April. Yes, yeah, at the same time. But that was uh, before the first Moon Kim summit? Is yes. That, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. The result for how positively South Koreans view Kim Jong-un is higher after the failure of Hanoi yes. than it was before the uh, the first Panmunjom summit last year. Yes. The Seoul Regional Unification Survey has the almost the same identical survey question. They ask, if we, do you think North Korean government can be trusted? And we have almost the same, but we use the name of Kim Jong-un. We ask, do you think Kim Jong-un can be trusted? In 2007 and 8, in Seoul Regional Unification Survey, they asked, they used the name of Kim Jong-il, the okay. father of Kim Jong-un. And at the time, only 7 or 8% of the respondents says that they they think that Kim Jong-il can be trusted. Hmm. 2009, they changed the wording of the question to the North Korean government or okay. North Korean authority. Right. It went up to 40%. 40? Yes. The using of the North Korean supreme leader's name yep. makes a lot of differences. I was surprised that this year, 33% of South Korean respondents says that Kim jong can be trusted. Considering each very sensitive name, Supreme Leader yes. of North Korea. I think 30, 33% is a very high number. All right. So uh, I understand that in, in this particular survey, you have uh, you and your colleagues, it's not you alone that have done this, right? There are a number of different reports. In fact, we, we will put a link on our website where people can download the English version of uh, the unification survey results and uh, and go through it. They can even look at it while they listen to this podcast if they want to. Now, but I understand that you and your colleagues used 200 different survey items uh, in the course of the interview with these thousand people. Yes. Now, what are the uh, the three uh, core items? Our survey consists of the several parts, the North Korean perception, how people think about North Korea, and how people think about unification, how people think about the unification policy and North Korean policy. And there are a bunch of questions to explain those perception and attitude that include the political affiliation and political opinion and the psychological aspect of the South Koreans. Okay, so we've got unification, North Korea, and 
the South Korean policy towards unification in North Korea. Yes, so those are the, That's correct. The, the three core items that we're going to focus on today. Now, is there any participation by overseas scholars or are there only uh, Koreans involved in this research? There is one American scholar participating in our survey. Uh, her name is Rose McDonald, which is kind of big shot. Not kind of big shot. He's one of the biggest shots in American politics. Um, in, oh, in the field of American political research? Yes, right. Is she participating every year in uh, in the research? This is, the, this is her first year. Okay, so each year there's somebody from outside yeah, yeah. who comes we, in. Each year we have the new theme for our survey. Uh, last, year, last year we worked with the Joshua Culture at Harvard University. Mm-hmm. And this year... Because uh, the, our theme for this year's survey is gender differences, we invited the, one of the leading experts in that area, which okay. is Rose McMath. She helped us to design the survey, and her special field is gender differences. Okay. One of the current issues in Korean politics is that, especially in among the young Korean generation in their 20s, the male young Koreans and female ones have very different political op- opinion. Yeah. Well, we try to measure how the, the gender gap influenced their attitude toward unification of North Korea. Okay, yeah, and we'll, we'll come back to that when we actually look through the, uh, the survey results, because that is interesting, the, uh, the gap between men and women and why they might think that way. Now, your particular paper in the, the full report there is focusing mainly on trends and perceptions on unification. So how South Koreans think about unification? Uh, that's a very tricky question. The very first question in our questionnaire is, do you think unification is nece- necessary? This whole national unification survey has the same question, and we have a little bit different... The, the yeah, you've got a graph here. It, it shows quite different results, yes, doesn't yes. it? It's interesting. The point is, South, South Koreans are losing interest in unification. But problem is, unification is still ethical problem. People will lie to you if you ask when you ask if you think unification is necessary. If, especially in face-to-face survey. Yes. You talk to stranger, and stranger asks you, "Do you think the unification is necessary?" Right. And I don't think people will give you the straight answer. You think that, so people give you an answer that they think you want to hear or yes. the answer that the government expects to hear. Yes. The South Korean education system focuses yeah. on the nationalism and the necessity of unification. We, for all our lives, we, we were taught that unification is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Unification is our national goal. Yeah. So, of course, South Koreans are very reluctant to say that they actually don't think unification is necessary. In our survey, the about about 70% of South Koreans says that say that unification is necessary. But I don't think that's a quite straight answer. Yeah, I'm looking at the, the graph here in the, the survey that people can download, and I see that uh, in the years since uh, Kino has done it, so since 2014, uh, the number has gone uh, a bit up and down, more or less between 60 and 70% each year. But the, the figures for uh, the Institute for Peace and Unification Studies at Seoul National University, or EPUS, as I'm going to call them from now on, they have a lower figure uh, fluctuating between 50 and 60%. Uh, this year is, is one of the highest years, uh, the number being 60%. Uh, but you know, a, a few years ago, it was almost down to 50%. How do we explain why is it lower? Is that because the Seoul National University is more anonymous uh, in its surveying? In fact, the first unification survey was started by Kino 
1992, when we ask first for the first time, ask South Koreans if they think unification necessary. In 1992, over 90% of South Koreans said that unification was necessary. So it was, it, it is kind of reflection. It reflects. We we were trying to say that, but what we in in Kino data we have four point scale. There are only four answers. Unification is very necessary, mm-hmm. somewhat necessary, somewhat non-necessary, very not necessary. That's, okay. that's how we ask the South Koreans. In Seoul Regional University, there is a middle point. So don't care really either way. Yes. Okay. So about 20% of South Koreans choose the middle point. Why doesn't Kino have that neutral point? There is no point we ask the same question with mm-hmm. IPUS. So I, I changed a little bit about that coding scale. So that's why we do that. Even though I don't think Korean people are giving the straight answers about the necessity of unification, this variable seems to vary over time. Yeah. Uh, it reacts to the north-south relationship. Whenever we have bad relationship with North Korea, it goes down. We have the, the advanced relationship with North Korea, it goes up. So it it's an indicator of how the North and South relationship is going. So uh, if you would choose a, a point in history, when would you say, uh, I mean, obviously from 1992, that's 27 years ago, that the figure was above 90%. Now we're somewhere between 50 and 60, if you believe Epus, or 60 and 70, if you believe Kinu. When did the real big drop begin, in your opinion? According to the Epus data, real drop began between 2007 and 2008. Really? Okay, yes. so that's uh, after the Normion presidency yes. and before, uh, well, around the time of uh, Im Young Bak becoming yes. president and around the time of the second North-South summit. Yes, and it was right after the first North Korean nuclear test. That's interesting. Okay, right after the first nu- nuclear yes, test. Yes, right, yeah. That's when people started to think, well, maybe unification is not so necessary. Yes, I think that's the point where, where people started losing hope for the unification. Now, this year... Uh, the numbers show a, a significant drop. The Kino uh, survey you mentioned in your results showed a 5.1% decrease mm-hmm. in response to the question, is unification necessary? Uh, but last year, there was a significant spike, wasn't there? Yes. Just, uh, just like I told you, I really don't believe that the unification and necessity of unification question is for the, the people's actual belief in necessity of unification. It's an indicator of people's belief the ongoing trend mm. of the north-south relationship. Now, if if that question is, as you say, it's not really a reflection of what South Koreans really believe about unification, then what question gives a more accurate representation of what South Koreans think about yeah, unification? When we rebooted our survey in 2014, we invented several, actually dozens of new questions mm-hmm. to ask various aspects of people's attitude toward unification. And... My favorite question item is, if you have to choose between coexistence between yes. North and South uh-huh. and unification, which one will you choose? And many, many people will, uh, now is now choosing the peaceful coexistence over unification. That's the second question that of our, our, our survey. That's, that's the interesting thing. Yeah. 70, more than 70% of respondents says that they think unification is necessary. Mm-hmm. Right after that, we ask if you have to choose between coexistence and unification, 
which one will you choose? Then more than half the people says that they will they prefer peaceful coexistence. Yes, I've got here, uh, looking at the graph for the second uh, question, increasing preference for peaceful coexistence. Uh, You've got the the top line is, uh, uh, what do they think about coexistence? And uh, strongly agree and uh, and somewhat agree. You've got this year, uh, it's almost 50%. Yes. uh, And then those who strongly agree or or somewhat agree with unification, you've got uh, 28.8%. So it's almost, let's say, 29%. And then if you subtract, you've got a a mathematical thing. So maybe you can help me. So you subtract one from the other and you get a preference. Yes, right. And the preference for this year uh, for peaceful coexistence of two Korean states over a unified Korean state, this year is 20.8%. Yes. So we've got one in five South Koreans would be quite happy to see two Koreas living continuously as separate states, almost like a, uh, Germany and Austria, you know, or... Uh, uh, but we just asked the hypothetical situation, right. situation here. And we have to look at the, the various aspects of people's attitude toward unification. Uh-huh. I think what really these items tell us is that now unification is one of the many important values or goals in our society. Unification used to be the most important national goal. Sure. And in North Korea, it still is, apparently. Yes, yes, of course. Unification is something we must achieve without considering the cost of unification. But now it's one of the many such goals. Now, how do you find, uh, what's the generational breakdown? Or when you look at that question of uh, peaceful coexistence, uh, the preference for that, which age group is most in favor of it? Uh, I think that the younger generation and the older generation have, in, in many items, younger generation and older gen- generation shares the same similar attitude toward unification in North Korea. In this, so you're talking about the generation in their, in their 20s on the one hand and the generation in their 60s and over yeah. on the other hand. So, so those two groups have, you're saying, similar results. The middle groups, the 30s, 40s, 50s, they're a bit different. Yes. The most liberal the generation in Korean society is in their late 40s and early 50s. This is the old 386 generation? Yes, yes right. And they st- for them, they, the unification is a very important national goal. Mm-hmm. So they still believe that unification is necessary and we have to choose unification or peaceful coexistence. Yeah, I find it interesting that uh, the oldest group, so that's 60s and over, now this includes... Uh, you, you mentioned that the oldest person might be around 82. So we're, we're including some people who will have a direct memory of the Korean War and some people who were born shortly after the Korean War, so they will have heard about it from their parents who had a direct memory of it, that this group uh, is actually ha- has lost a strong faith in, in, uh, in unification and is quite happy to see a coexistence continue. Uh, I think the difference among generations comes from their view on North Korea. Mm-hmm. Their attitude toward unification is influenced by the, their attitude toward North Korea. For the older generation, North Korea is an enemy. For younger generation, Koreans in their 20s and 30, uh, 30s, North Korea is just another country, very annoying another country. I see. <laughs> they actually don't hate North Korea. Uh, they tend to ignore North Korea while the older generation feel threatened by North Korea. Mm-hmm. The younger generations, the feeling toward North Korea is more like the disgusted. You, you, you can respect your enemy. You can, you can feel 
you, you feel threatened by by your enemy, or but at the same time you respect your enemy because enemy means that they have the same footing, the same status. But the younger generations, North Korea is not our competitor or some some country with the same status status with mm-hmm. South Korea. Even though with some question they have the same attitude or same answers to the older generation, I think the base the feeling, the base attitude is very different. I wonder, Doctor Lee, if there's any uh, uh, research question now, or maybe something you could put in in the future. Uh, is there a, a research question that tries to draw a distinction between feelings towards the North Korean state uh, and feelings towards the people of North Korea? Because I think it, it's possible to see the North Korean state as a threat, but it's also possible to see that in a united Korea, some South Koreans might feel threatened by the existence of many, many North Koreans in a unified Korean state. No longer threatened by the state of North Korea, but by the presence of all the North Korean people. Do you know what I mean? Yes, uh, actually, we do have those items, but it's very hard to explain uh, uh, without graphs and chart. Basically, I believe there are four groups of South Koreans according to their attitude to North Korea. First group see North Korea as our enemy. Mm-hmm. They feel threatened by North Korea, but as I told you, Enemy can be respected. Enemy means the same status. Mm. The second group think that North Korea can be our cooperation partner. So they, they are the traditional liberal and conservative. Conservative treat North Korea as enemy. Liberals think North Korea is our friend. But there are two more groups. One group think that North Korea, we can exploit North Korea. I, I call them pragmatist. It's different from the liberal status. Liberal believe that liberal Korean liberal is the nationalistic. They they want the unification itself. But the pragmatist, they they think that the unification will help South Korean economy or South Korean politics. So if North unification doesn't help South Korea, they will choose coexistence right. or the independence. So they have very practical attitude to North Korea. So sometimes they prefer objection uh, or the, the confrontation to North Korea if that helps South Korea. So it, they, they are very flexible in a, in a way. Yeah. They, I think that's the, one of the largest South Korean groups. And the fourth group is small, but it's growing very fast. Oh. Yes. They don't care about North Korea. And uh, they believe that South Korea will better off isolating South Korea from North Korea. They, they, believe, they believe in unification will not solve any purpose for South Korea. And they, they don't feel any connection to North Korea. North Korea is just another hostile foreign country. And even though we use the same language and share the same culture, they don't see any reason to unification. It's not easy to say that. Yeah. So it's tricky to measure that attitude among South Koreans. So I have some the statistical techniques to measure those attitude. And those fourth group, the isolationist, I yes. call them. And it's still small, but it's growing fast, especially among South Korean younger generations. What would you say is the percentage of uh, the South Korean younger generation that now believes in sort of the isolationist uh, theory? In my earlier paper, which I I wrote in uh, 2015, I I counted them like 15%. 
if I remember correctly. So 15% of, of young people, not all of South no, Koreans. No, all, all, all of the South Korean public, 15% of them uh, were categorized as the isolationist. Oh, so 15% of the whole South Korean population. Yes. That's quite high. Yes. But that's not the absolute the standard. It depends on my technique and my yeah. definition. Right. Because as you say, this is not something that people would normally voluntarily state, right? It, it's all relative. They, they, they are compared to the other groups. They are more likely to treat North Korea as the, just another foreign country. Another foreign country. Okay. More or less similar to Japan. Yes, right. Right. Now, what about the uh, the political sort of political ideology breakdown uh, of uh, views of, of of unification? You found something interesting that there's been a change in views held by conservatives in South Korea in the last couple of years. What's happened to conservative views? Uh, under the Park Geun-hye regime, conservatives prefer unification. Suddenly, they have changed their position. Now they prefer peaceful coexistence. And is that all because of the government of Moon Jae-in that they've changed their minds? I, I think so. People usually don't have firm opinion about the North Korean the issues. And they change their opinion or the position according to their uh, preference over the government. I support the government. Whatever that government is doing is, must be right. That's how people make up their mind. So I think that... Uh, change of the government influenced people's position on North Korea or unification. And it's quite a radical shift. I mean, uh, we see that in 2017, the percentage of conservatives who believed in uh, pre- preferred coexistence was uh, very negative. I mean, it was it was literally below zero, uh, if that's even possible. And then this year, uh, we're looking at almost 50%, uh, sorry, almost 30% are in favor of it. I think that's another indication that unification is not that important issue in Korean public. They change their mind according to the, uh, following the, the government shift. Right. Now, that's a fair point there. You, you've also had um, a breakdown on preference by party, party preference. Yes. So you've got the... Uh, uh, the Liberty Korea Party, uh, the Democratic Party, and the, the uh, Justice uh, Party. Which party has the strongest view uh, in, in favor of, of unification? That's a very interesting question because the supporters for the Democratic Party has the most stable view mm. over unification. They still prefer peaceful coexistence, but the other party supporters, their position has changed over time quite radically. But the supporters of the Democratic Party, their range of change is the smallest. That means that they have the most firm stance on the unification. And uh, has has the policy of the Democratic Party changed much in in relation to unification? No, no. So that both the policy and the support for that policy has remained quite stable over time. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay. Now we come to uh, the difference of uh, opinions about unification by gender, and you found that women prefer peaceful coexistence over men. Yes, uh, that's the theme of the, this year's unification, uh, the, the survey. Right. And there are three hypotheses. One theory says that un- women prefer peace because the, of the maternity, because they, the, they are the mother of our next generation. The other theory says that women who are influenced by the feminist ideology, f- feminist idea, prefer the peaceful coexistence. The peace. And mm-hmm. the third theory says that because women see themselves as a minority of the society, and the minorities, minorities are the ones who are hurt by the conflict, the military, the war. And that, that's why, as a minority, women prefer peace. So th- th- we, we will tr- uh, 
Testo's hypothesis we did to see if survey data. We, yep. we, have, we haven't done the analyzed the data yet. Okay. But yes. How big is the difference then? What's the, uh, the, the difference in support for peaceful coexistence between men and women? What's the, uh, the gap? Uh, 16.1% gap between women and men. That's a very big gap. Yes, right. Really? Now, you mentioned, so there are three theories. So one of them you mentioned, the first one is uh, women's maternal yeah. uh, nature. The second one being... Influenced from the feminist theories. Feminist theory. Could you unpack that a little bit more? There, there's a score of the international relations influenced by feminism. They believe that war itself is the expression of masculinity. And there's actually very interesting studies about the feminism and the war. Uh, one study compared the expenditure of the mil- military with the number of the female representatives in the Congress. The country with more female representatives spending less money on military expenditure. And the country with female, the president or prime minister, they tend to spend more money on military expenditure. That's interesting, isn't That's it? That's a bit counterintuitive, isn't yes. it? Yes. And one explanation is that if you are the the head figure of the administration and you are female, mm-hmm. you have to fight the the soft female image of the public because because you have to show that you are tough enough. Uh, you will follow the hard line of policy of the foreign relations. That means that more spending on the military. Right. Okay. But, but to come back to this question in the survey here, this question is about uh, preference for peaceful coexistence over preference for unification. Yes. Uh, and, and you're mentioning feminist theories on war and military spending. Uh, how do we relate that to this question about do we have unification or do we have a peaceful coexistence of two separate regimes? One of the explanations I can give you about the Korean public, Korean females and their thought on unification is that the Korean female tend to more worry about the outcome of unification and its impact on our Korean society. They believe that the burden of unification will fall more heavily on the woman's shoulder. They are the minorities and women tend to be more worried about the uh, social chaos the political or economic problems probably we will have during the unification process. I think that's why that, that explains why we, we, the Korean females prefer to peaceful coexistence. Let's on the other side, on the flip side here. Uh, why is the uh, support for peaceful coexistence so low among men? I mean, it was only twelve point seven percent this year. Could there be something related to men's military service? Could that be a factor in why their support for for peaceful coexistence is so low? I mean, I haven't been in the army, obviously, uh, but uh, I understand that the uh, nationalist education, sort of the inculcation of a an ideology of of nationalism, is quite strong in the military. I mean, that's that's understandable, I suppose. So yes, of course. Yeah. That, that's surely, I would think that would be a factor, wouldn't it? Yes. If you serve in Korean military, you have the chance to face with the North Korean threat directly. Yeah. So you feel it. So I think that can influence your attitude to the North Korean threat or the, the, your position on the unification. Now, you pointed out in, in your survey here that so far there's only been a debate on how to achieve unification, but there's virtually no discussion of what a unified Korea would look like uh, and or, or the question of how much should we pay for unification. Now, why is that that those two questions haven't been discussed? And Surely the, the question of what would a unified career look like 
it seems to me to be so intrinsically linked to the question of how do we achieve unification that it's hard for me to talk about one without talking about the other as a natural consequence. How is that possible that these were ignored? Because the unification was the national agenda. Nobody was allowed to question the value of unification. Mm. Unification, it's an ethical problem, ethical question in South Korea. We have official the plan for the unification, it says that the unified Korea must be democratic, must be capitalistic, and I think everyone agrees on that. But we need more than that. We need the welfare system of unified Korea. We need, we need to discuss how to resolve the differences between two Korean societies, how to integrate the two very different Korean societies. And obviously, we will have a lot of psychological problems Mm. From both sides, we will have the economic debt issues and also the cultural issues. We, everyone knows, everyone agrees that we will have those kind of problems, and right. nobody knows how to solve those problems. Education is one thing, but it really takes a generation to change people's attitude and people's mind. Also, the, the co- there is a problem of cost. One of the main reasons why the younger generations tend to be skeptical about unification is that they think if, if, if we do achieve unification, they are the ones who have to pay the price. Eventually, unif- unified Korea will be beneficial for the old Koreans, but just like the German case, it takes a generation or two, or two yeah. Yeah, to pay the price, and the younger, genera- younger generation of South Korea are the ones who have to pay the price. Now, last month I interviewed, uh, or early this month, I interviewed uh, Professor Moon Jong-in. Yes, I heard that. Oh, you heard that one? Yes. Well, then I, I want to ask you, but he had this interesting uh, sort of idea of, uh, of unification that I'd never really heard expressed so clearly before, which is that instead of looking to unification as a two states fused together in one state, instead it's more like a European Union where you have the two states peacefully coexisting, but together in some kind of loose union in which they have, you know, things like uh, customs uh, agreements and uh, you know some sort of joint council or something like that, but they still remain two separate different countries. Uh, the, the South Korean government has the plan for the unification since 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, we officially call those kind of Korean Union, Korean Commonwealth. And in that kind of union, both North Korea and South Korea will have our sovereignty. We will have the diplomacy and the We'll have our own military, but we will have kind of the, the central government, just like the, the council that deals with the, the, the uh, mutual problems. So that it's loosely uh, unified, loosely, how do you say, unionized yes. to, set, uh, to, to states. That's one form of the, the unification, I guess. Do you have a model? Is there a model for that in the real world? The European or a- Union, yeah. Okay, so, so basically it's the same sort of model. Yes, right. Actually, in 1989, yeah. we, when we planned the, the unified Korea, we modeled after the European Union. Ah, okay. So in these surveys, when you ask people about unification or peaceful coexistence, is this the kind of model that's being put forward? People do not have that kind of knowledge. <laughs> yes, we can. We can also, of course, we can ask that if yeah. if, if they prefer Korean Commonwealth and if if, if they prefer what kind of what format of uni, unification they they prefer. But I I don't think that's a useful question. 
because people are usually not equipped with the knowledge and skill set to understand the, the nuances and the, the importances of the, those the political terms. Okay, um, you have a you reached a conclusion in your. Um or one of the conclusions in your report, that uh, preferences for peaceful coexistence should not be construed as skepticism about unification. Now, why not? Because I believe still, for most Koreans, unification is an important goal, national agenda. But it's not the only goal of the South Korea. It's one of the many goals. And we have to have the priorities of what the many goals. If you ask people, which is more important between the unification and economic, the, then many people, over 70% of people would choose the economy over unification. But that doesn't mean that unification is not important. It's one of the agendas we have to solve. Okay, now, the, uh, the third question I thought was an interesting one. The third question you asked was, uh, just because the two Koreas are one people does not necessarily make them one nation. And you've got a five-point scale here. Strongly disagree, somewhat disagree, neither disagree or nor agree, uh, somewhat agree and strongly agree. And you've had a, a real big change uh, since last year, haven't you? Yes. Right. And it, so this year you've got as much as 41.4% uh, mm-hmm. um, of the South Korean population either uh, – somewhat agree or strongly agree with the proposition that just because they're one people doesn't make them one nation. You term this post-nationalism. Yes. Uh, and you, you include discussion about uh, multiculturalism being the official policy of the Korean government, uh, two million foreigners, including myself, residing in South Korea. Yes. Talk a bit more about that, about post-nationalism. How is that affecting South Korea? I don't think nationalism has been bad in South Korea. It's very strong force. So we cannot ignore the force of nationalism, but people are certainly less nationalistic, especially when we think about the North Korea. When we think about Japan, <laughs> nationalism is still a very strong force. Whenever I talk this problem with especially the foreigners, I use this example. If there is a soccer match between North Korea and Japan, which country will I support? And it was a very easy question. I, of course, will support North Korea. And Seoul National University, IPUS data actually have the similar question. They ask, since 2007, if there is a soccer match between North Korea and the United States, yeah. which country will they support? And in 2007, if I remember correctly, over 70, 75% of respondents said that they will support North Korea. It was after the North Korean nuclear test. Only 10, 15% people says that they will support America. Now, last year, about 49% of the respondents says that they will still support North Korea. Still, 15, about 15% of people says that they will support America. So even after all those years, yeah. the, the people, number of people who support North Korea has been diminished. Yeah. Still, our enemy North, North Korea, and our blood ally, mm-hmm. that's how, how we call the, the America. Yep. When there is a soccer match, nationalism mm. is a strong force. When we compare North Korea with other countries, but we, when we think about North Korea, not thinking about all the other countries, the force of nationalism has been diminished over time. Especially among the younger generations. Yeah, actually, are you familiar with the uh, the writings of uh, the American academic Brian Myers? I'm not. 
Okay, because he compares North Korea and South Korea, saying that North Korea is a radical ethno-nationalist state, yes, yes. and South Korea is a moderate ethno-nationalist state. Yes. So yeah, I agree with that. They have similar ideologies, but different degrees. Yes, right. And in, in your own paper here, you wrote that North Korea has a conservative nationalist country that is almost as close to racism yes. compared to South Korea. There are stories about North Korean defectors who had to go back to North Korea some of those female North Korean defectors are pregnant with the Chinese babies. Ah, yes. And they were enforced to have the abortion by right. the North Korean government because yeah. they don't want the blood to be mixed. That's the, how extreme North Korean nationalism is. Now, you, uh, you also wrote in the report here that the two Koreas need to discuss more fundamental issues of unification, uh, sort of uh, visions of unification in the process of revolving, uh, resolving denuclearization and enhancing cooperation, uh, economic cooperation. My question is, can a consensus ever be reached? How can North and South Korea reach a common vision uh, on, on unification? Yeah, that is not what the, the, the public opinion survey question. But can we, can North Korea and South Korea ever reach the consensus of the unification? I, I think so. Uh, in 2000, when President Kim Dae-jung met Kim Jong-il, they, yep. they agreed on the principles of the, the unification process. South Korea always preferred the confederation plan. North yep. Korea, they preferred the confederation. And somehow they managed to find a middle point. And so still some South Korean scholars believe that the North Korea and South Korea ultimate goal is to have one unifi unified Korea as a one state, one unitary nation. And to achieve that goal, we have to some more middle ground between confederation to the, the unified Korea. And we haven't talked about that. So because the confederation is such a loosely unified two states, it's not easy to go from confederation to the unitary, the, the unitary system. Mm -hmm. But also, I mean... Uh any kind of structure that includes North and South Korea, whether that's a confederation, a federation, or a unitary state, all of these at some level present a threat to the leadership of uh, Kim Jong-un and his group in North yes. Korea. And, and that, isn't that an obstacle to ever going anywhere together with North Korea? That as long as Kim Jong-un says, well, you know, if my people are able to have free access to information from South Korea and maybe even meeting people from South Korea, that could be a threat to me. You know, how, how could that work? We, we, cannot, we cannot have everything we want. <laughs> we have to make compromise. Mm -hmm. Either we have peace, peace with Kim Jong-il regime intact, or either we have to choose the continued confrontation with North Korea with nuclear weapons. So I, I think the many of the South Koreans would prefer to choose Kim Jong-un's regime intact, mm -hmm. but peaceful coexistence toward the, the road to the unification. Now, one of the last uh, questions that you asked in your uh, survey was, uh, what would you do if you had to move to North Korea for work or marriage in the event of unification? And then you had a four-point scale, will never move, would rather not move, would move if really necessary, or would gladly move. What were the results on that one? This year, 66.7% uh, of people says that they would rather not move to North Korea. The reason I ask this question is to see how people, how South Korea would respond if the unification is their own problem. The other problems, problems are like peaceful coexistence or the necessity of unification is very abstract. It's about the principles. But this question is their lives. Yes. Before 2008, over a million of South Koreans visited North Korea. 
금강산 올 개성. Some of them uh, used to walk in 개성. So it's not so hypothetical question. Some for some of the South Koreans, it's their real life. I wanted to find out that if South Koreans think unification as the real life problem, how they how would they react? So two thirds of South Koreans that they don't want to move North Korea means that even if they say the unification is necessary, they still think they still don't feel unification as they are the the personal problem. Right. It's just a principal abstract yeah. notion. Something theoretical, right. not practical. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, Kum Gang San and Kaesong. I just wanted to, as a last question that I want to touch on here, um, in another of the research uh, papers in this particular survey, uh, it was found that more South Koreans were keen to see uh, Kum Gang Resort reopened yes. than Kaesong. Uh, so if there was a sort of a preference, it was like Kumgang first, Kaesong second. Well, that was interesting. I was surprised by that. Why do you think that is? We asked the, the several questions regarding the policies, the Kumgangsan, Kaesong, and the humanitarian aid. Mm-hmm. Supporters of those three policies policy went up compared to the last year. And the ordering of the, the support is just like you said. People, more people like Kumgangsan mm. and then Kaesong. And surprisingly, humanitarian aid was the last one. How do you explain that? I, I believe South Koreans see Kumgangsan as the safe mm. choice of the North South Corporation. And Kaesong. Kind of, the people believe the case might be a cash cow for North Korea. So it, it is still a little bit dangerous to open Kaesong mm. before North Korea makes its first move of denuclearizing itself. And that's why I think that explains the difference between the people's preference over Kaesong uh, and the Kumgangsan. And humanitarian aid, it's, I was surprised because the humanitarian aid, it's humanitarian. Yes. I mean, and People prefer Kumgangsan and Kaesong over humanitarian aid. That's really surprising. And I think there is a dilemma of the North Korea. Last year, Kim Jong-un showed off their thriving economy. There were new fancy restaurants in Pyongyang. Yep. And it looks like that North Koreans are not starving anymore. There were the, even the fish market in yeah. Pyongyang and that used the huge consumed huge amount of electricity. And that means that electricity is very stable in Pyongyang. But now they are talking about the, another food shortage of North Korea. So I think the people are confused mm. about the, the North Korean food crisis. Last year, it was okay. Kim Jong-un himself said it was okay. Now the World Food, food Program says yeah. that they need more food. So I think that's why that relatively... The support for the humanitarian aid was lower than co- compared to the Kumgangsan and Kaesong, but actually, actually went up compared to last year. Okay, real final question. Now, let's say 20 years from now, if somehow unification hasn't happened yet, and if in 20 years' time these surveys by Kinu and, and uh, um, the one at Seoul National University find that Koreans really don't care about unification or North Korea anymore, uh, will that change government policy? South Korea is a democratic country. The democracy is supposed to be a reflection of people's opinion, and it will influence our, uh, our policy. But I don't think all the government policy should be influenced by the people's opinion. And government and the public opinion should communicate each other. It's not just one-way communication. Government educate people 
government should let people know the importance of unification. That's one of the main function of the ministry unification. They educate people about the importance of unification. And I think it can go both ways. People may want more unification or less unification. And some aspect of the people's opinion of unification is very stable. They prefer North Korea or America for the last 10 years. But some opinion has changed drastically over time. Yeah. In 20 years, if still we if we still have the North Korean nuclear problem in 20 years, then people certainly will lose hope of unification. But considering it's been almost 70 years, it's not unrealistic scenario that mm. we, the, the situation will continue in 20 years. But I don't think South Korea can ever give up the unification. Okay, well, that's probably a good place to, uh, to end our interview today. Thank you very much, Dr. Lee Sung-shin, for joining us today on the NK News podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, listeners, don't forget to please uh, share this podcast with others. Leave us a review on uh, iTunes uh, or uh, other places where you get the podcast. And uh, listen again next week. <laughs>